0: You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly, news, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NBB teams, hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast. It's for the week of July 10th, I'm hoping. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Saturday night is my partner, Jim Allen. What's happening, buddy? Oh, a lot. Lots of baseball. (laughs) I mean, we had a lot. We had a lot of fun
2: baseball uh, this past week, and I was really enjoying it. And I got to the ballpark
1: twice, twice, and twice in one week, which was pretty cool. I know. Uh, you know, I'm having senior moments more often than not. This <laughs> but I like. I you were going to a ballpark, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to get another interview. Wait a minute, do we need him to do this? <laughs> and I say get all the interviews we can and stack them up and stock them up before we get stopped. <laughs> that's my that's Yeah. My goal. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell
2: you. I'll tell you, I think some of the team I, I definitely get in the feeling some of the teams would like to put a cork in me. <laughs> because I'll tell you, I I've been doing I've been doing this for 30 years now.
1: Wow. You're you're getting up there.
2: Yeah, I've been doing this, although I mean, as a full time, I've been doing it okay for twenty three years, but I've been doing it full time or twenty-five years, but I've been doing it part time for thirty years. And I've had a total of four times where a PR guy came up to me and said, Stop talking to our player. <laughs> and so I won't say count, it's not very I, often I happens, won't right? count Sadaharu O because that was not a player and it was a scheduled interview
0: okay
2: but uh anyway so those four times once was when shige no was the was the central league batting champion i'm going to say about 1990s about
1: way back in the before time yeah
2: about 2006 or 2007 in his breakout season are and you he, sure everybody will
1: you sure it wasn't in the '90s? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't in the '90s Okay.
2: I wasn't because I wasn't uh, working full time at that. Anyway, so that and the carp guy came up and said, "Like, what are you doing talking to our player? He's busy." <laughs> and he, he and he upbraided my Yomiuri Shimbun colleague and saying, "Like, you got no business talking to players." Okay, so that was one. Okay, and then two was a Hanshin Tigers player. Uh, an import player whose name escapes me at the moment. He was a very no, very nice uh, Dominican guy. And we were just sitting there, standing on the field at Yokohama, talking for five or 10 minutes. And PR guy yanked us off the field and said, he's got things to do. You can't just stand. He said, if you're going to talk, he said, go in the dugout and do it. Don't do it out on the field. Don't wow. be talking out on the field for 10 minutes. <laughs> Okay, so those were two, and that was that was about 2017, maybe. Okay, and then two were the past uh, two weeks when Lotte, one of their sub PR people, came up and said, 15, you know, you're speaking too long to Hirokazu Sawamura." (laughs) And then the other time was on Tuesday at Tokyo Dome when a PR guy came up and said, your time is done. And Hiroyo Miyagi said, no, it's not. (laughs) Love
1: it. You got (laughs) to love
2: it. I said, the PR guy is over your shoulder. Tell me. He says, just ignore him. And then, uh, no, I don't know. He didn't give me a reason. But since he was the starting pitcher the next day, I'm guessing they might have had a media scrum in, in the hallway or something right, waiting right, for right, him. Right, 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 But they had time. But the second time I said, OK, well, we'll call it. But but that, so there was almost a reason for that one. The other one, there was no, no obvious reason. But like I said, that's four times in thir- two times in 30 years and two times in two weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're looking to put the kibosh on us here. Yeah, so, I, so
2: I, I just... well, that certainly fits with the, the idea of making it very, very hard to get close to the players in the first place.
1: Yeah, well, we're close, but yeah, we're not where we were before. But like I said, I'm not sure that that will ever return to form. So anyway, on this week's show, we've got a chat with Marwin Gonzalez of Oryx. We're going to talk about the buffaloes we're going to talk about bunts we've got our power track segment and we go rocking with roki and handle some high heat so let's start swinging clearing the bases
2: okay well as i was at the (laughs) aforementioned tokyo dome on tuesday talking with the oryx buffaloes and and uh Uh, The Rock 10 Eagles were playing at the Eagles were hosting a game at Tokyo Dome, as they do now and then, and had some nice chats with the players, Daichi Suzuki of the Eagles and uh, Hiro Miyagi and Marwin Gonzalez. And it was uh, we had spoken in Osaka in March when we were allowed to walk in front of the Oryx dugout (laughs) because it was a WBC Right, it and wasn't
1: a MPV run that's event. Correct. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I you know, you could hear some muscles tightening all over through the PR core that day.
1: Sphincters in particular, right?
2: <laughs> could have been. Heard her could hear him clinch. <laughs> so <Sometimes. laughs> anyway. So we said hi, but I didn't do an interview and uh so this time we got, I got to catch up a little bit and and he got off to a really good start. He was popping home runs pretty frequently in the first couple of weeks of the season. And then he settled down. He's been making good plays on defense and, but he was obviously he's not, when you listen to it, you'll you can hear he's disappointed with where he is now. And I, I get that, but he, he's a kind of, a, he's a very positive sounding guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows he obviously knows all the code words you know for the team and this and that but we got some interesting stuff so uh even though it's it's very brief let's have a listen and enjoy okay our guest this week on the japan baseball weekly podcast is oryx buffalo's uh utility player mostly infielder Marvin gonzalez uh thank you and welcome to japan
0: oh thank you I appreciate it i'm having yeah. a good time
2: oh yeah i'm glad to hear that i mean we saw you in uh in um osaka and probably just getting your feet wet how how have things progressed since
0: then oh really good really good uh, uh i'm having fun I'm getting to know um more things around uh getting familiar with uh with everything uh my my family's having fun so it's, oh. it's, it's been great so far so
2: excellent tell me a little bit about your family what do they do when you're coming to tokyo
0: uh well we've been um um visiting a couple times a couple of days and um more than that, when I'm, the days I've been playing, uh, they're being like going around to the city. Okay. So they're be, they, they know more than me, but uh, yeah, <laughs> they're definitely having fun.
2: Excellent. Well, that always helps having a, your support network close to yeah. close to you. Absolutely. Okay, uh, my partner. Uh, for we've been doing this podcast for 11 years, and sometimes my partner throws me questions to ask, and he wants to know what role, if any, has did Alonzo Powell play in your path to coming to Japan or maybe your transition, did you have any conversations with him?
0: Oh, no, no, no. I haven't talked to him in a while. Okay. Uh, also, that I miss him. Uh, I miss uh, my days with him. Um, he was really helpful when we were together. Uh, helped me a lot on um, my hitting. And um, I hope that, that he's having a, a good time over there, too.
2: Yeah, he was here for a couple of years, and I think he just left this year. Oh, okay. He was with Chunichi, who oh, back
0: I Oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh,
2: so we had a couple of guys, uh, a couple of guys who he was their batting coach in the states, and then they came to Japan and he was on another team. <laughs> so uh, it was really helpful for a lot of guys. So tell me about uh, some of the adjustments that uh, that you worked on and maybe succeeded at.
0: Um, in what, in which way? In,
2: for your batting, perhaps, or your fielding?
0: Mostly the batting. Here, here in Japan? Yeah. Well. Uh... I haven't been improving I haven't been getting worse the last the last two weeks I'm um, been having a, a rough time at the plate right now um, working a lot to get out of to get out of the hole um, but other um, on that is it's been great it's been great everything has been great um, helping the team whatever I can uh, even defense or, or whenever I have a bigger bad um, but I yeah working a lot putting a lot of work into into the offense uh, to see if if uh, I can, I can get back to my form like uh, quick. Yeah, you had a lot of home runs early
2: on in April and kind of slowed down, but you're still getting that, you know, that one hit, that one big walk every game, it seems, making a big play in the
0: field. Yeah, yeah, uh, trying to help in every way I can. Like I say, if he's not with my bat, I'm trying to play defense, uh, uh, being there, uh, making 100% efforts in every, in every play. Um, and yeah, that's what it's all about.
2: Okay, well, tell me, uh, What's impressed you about Japanese baseball? Because it's a little different, you know. The, the rhythms a little different. The things a little. What kind
0: of things? Uh, have you of? I will say like uh, um, um, how clean they play the game. Uh, yeah. they, there's so many mistakes. Uh, there's so many errors on defense. Uh, the routine plays make every time, uh, okay. almost like most of the time. Uh, but yeah, it's like the clean baseball. Fundamental. It's like there every game, every inning um every run every run counts even early in the game which uh, you don't see that on the states um but yeah it's more like how clean they are on the field um how good they play defense and um, and the fundamentals basically
2: yeah well when you say the clean I, I i remember the first time i went and saw an mlb dugout and i'm going wow yeah Ichiro was right the, the dugouts he went there and he said oh the dugouts are crazy i can't stand it but I was used to this yeah and then i went to mlb and i'm going oh my god <laughs> so clean in lots of ways
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm talking about clean uh uh, uh clean defense too like they don't they, they don't they don't make mistakes like uh every place made and um yeah you don't you don't really see that in the states like uh mostly the pitchers here are like super athletic they made every play oh, yeah. um and that that's that's i think that's where the games are like close all the time no no a lot of runs and um I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, they take the PFP really seriously. Yep. You do the infield every single day. Yeah, 100%. Now, does that help? Does it help? Because, obviously, you've been doing this for years and years and years, but just the
0: daily – does it get to be a grind? Uh, a little bit sometimes. Uh, uh I think i love it to be in this, um, this team. Like, this team doesn't uh, – it's not that they don't play defense good. Yeah, we're good on defense, but, like um, – Compared to other teams, like we don't take infills every day, okay. so it's been yes. like uh, it's it's different on to other teams. But like uh, the same times, like the days that we take infills, like uh, we take a hundred percent and then uh, try to make every play and then try to keep it clean.
2: Okay. Well, of course, your manager had his experience in the states, and he's a, a little, he's one of these kind of new age managers in Japan. There's more player first than some of the old school guys, so.
0: That's gotta be a nice environment for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm been loving it. I'm been loving it. Uh, I hear like I hear comments from all from our teams, and it's like a little hard from the for the foreigners because uh, uh, they're not used to that. So, uh, it's not that they are complaining, but it's like they don't they they they're not used to this routine every day, and uh, it's a little different. But I'm happy. I'm happy to be here, and i lucky to be here too.
2: Well, I'm sure the fans are happy. We're we're uh, in the English media. We're glad to have you here and hopefully uh, have a, be healthy and have a very good season. Thank
0: you. appreciate it. Okay. Thank you for joining us.
2: Okay. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. It was such a great pleasure to catch up. Hopefully we'll get to see you again before too long.
1: Thanks so much. And thank you for getting the interview, man. You've been busy.
2: <laughs> well, I was there. That was it. That was it. Okay. Well, what would you like to comment on?
1: Well, um... Let's just feed the elephant in the chat room here. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was coming. We uh, have to talk about the banging trash cans. And Alonzo Powell, who was on the Houston Astros, as was Marwin Gonzalez when they beat the Dodgers in the World Series, he joined Tunichi as a coach. And at that time, uh, I think I interviewed Alonzo and asked him about it. And he said, look, man, you never heard my name come up in those investigations. So let's not even bring that up. And, and there was a moratorium or a gag order or all of the above placed on all individuals involved with it. And they cannot talk about it. And that's that. So we can't, we can ask all we want. You know, we're just going to get the same answers uh, from everybody involved. However, I found it odd <laughs> because Alonzo Powell is, you know him and I know him, and Sure, if he doesn't uh, agree with some of your opinions or things don't, you know, have rubbed him the wrong way in the past, you're kind of on the outside. But if you're on the inside and you are on the same team or something's going on, he, you know, you're friends for life. All right. So why did Marwin not contact a guy who coached him at Houston, just happened to coach in Japan? And just, I mean, I'm not saying anything's this or that. I'm just saying it's weird. It is well, it, odd. Well, it was, uh, well, you know, it's what six years ago. It's odd. That's all I had to say about that. So the but elephant he, yeah. there, you peanuts, get okay. out of my face. <laughs> okay. okay <laughs> so I didn't.
2: Um, yeah, I didn't make a big deal. He's sort of been everywhere. His career was Gonzalez's career was going. <laughs> going downhill quickly from where from that high in 2017 when he looked like 18 because
1: yeah he, he he won a game for the astros hitting a home run in the ninth inning off kenley jansen that was weird <laughs> okay but
2: yeah so so it was a long time ago i mean for him for me no you know for me that was yesterday
1: yeah well i mean i watch a lot of detective shows i, I watch a lot of police shows and so uh you know i'm trying not to put two and two together or take you know you, you got to take where the evidence leads you and all that kind of stuff that they say on these shows so we don't have any evidence so i i can't go anywhere but i just found it i mean alonzo is the kind of guy if he found out that a player he formerly coached was going to japan that he would reach out and the fact that they haven't spoken is just it's just weird anyway as for what Margo said you know, so many of the import guys who hit a wall or a dry spell or uh fall into quicksand, they sound like this, you know. <laughs> um they I haven't seen hit...
2: the I haven't seen the quicksand yet, but I'm, oh, I'll no, be quicksand I'll be looking at you don't out. see
1: it because the quicksand guys, you know, turned into Gabe Kapler, you know, <laughs> they're gone <laughs> fast. You know, they they okay. struggle and they disappear in the quicksand and then they're gone. So um yeah. I mean, and we've heard many import players. I mean, that's the tone of that struggle, that frustration. That's what we hear from them. And you can hear it in the tone that he brings to this interview. And, you know, I, I just like you, when he came over and he started having immediate success, I'm like, oh, you know what? His swing really fits NPV. He's approach, you know, he's not He's not swinging all over the place, and he's definitely not swinging to try to hit home runs a lot. He's just trying to make good contact, and that approach is is seemed like it was going to be really successful. And uh, of course, he just has to, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you start finding out how much you don't know yep. in some situations. And I think the more he learned, the more he was realizing he didn't know. And now he's he, you might think that he's overthinking things or you know, they give you so much analytical data to study and maybe he's, you know, trapped with that or getting hooked with that, whatever the case may be. Uh, he needs to get out of that rut, but you know, he has been good. And, and I I was thinking he must have a travel with a, just a whole suitcase of gloves, right? Because Mm. he can play everywhere. And so a guy like that is so helpful. And we've been seeing in, I don't know, I would say the past five years, even Chunichi tried it, right? They got, uh, Orlando Cariste, the oh, Dragons. Yeah. yeah, they they you know they got a guy that could play in the outfield. They could play him at the corner uh, infield spots. They could play him in the middle infield spots, and and that's that's a very useful guy because Japanese teams like to you know they like to get their foreign players in, but they're stuck sometimes in where to use them. And if they can put them in different places for a guy who maybe doesn't hit lefties or doesn't hit righties or doesn't you know they want to get a little bit more pop in the lineup or something, it's it allows the manager to be so flexible but not when you're not hitting
2: (laughs) no no and and it also goes in the grain with the the tendency in npb to want to have a guy on your team who can play right in center field and a a middle infield position Mm -hmm. because you'll have all these guys like yamato maeda Mm -hmm. golden glove shortstop golden glove center field uh, both of the Koichi Ogatas for the carp and the Giants. <laughs> for the carp and the Giants were both second baseman right fielders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tetsuida, catcher, center fielder. I mean, you name it. They 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 love those up the middle guys, good defensive guys. Of course, Shuta, uh, Shuta Tonosaki was is probably the most recent the most the guy who was probably most successful at the most different positions.
1: Right, and, and his and, teammate Yuji Kaneko also yeah. started out playing all over the place.
2: Yeah, and then when they put him at second base, they went, wow, we, we thought he was good, but really? We yeah, done Tonosaki, yeah. 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 Well, of course, that was necessary because the guy they that had, they, yeah, they had a second baseman who could really hit home runs, and then they said, well, if you want to go somebody else, we're not going to make you a better offer. Yeah, Why do these free agents keep leaving us? You
1: know, <laughs> what a that, mystery. Hideto Asamura, yeah. yeah, Why do they keep going? So yeah, I mean, you know, your confidence can take a, a huge blow, and you have poor stretches, and maybe that's the situation with Margot right now. But I think I think his game kind of fits Japan, and I, I expect him to bounce back. And uh, but it's still difficult difficult to overcome because all these you know you're battling opponents who all study your every move and play you so often they can they can really detect your weaknesses and exploit them and that's part of the challenge you know and I keep complaining that these teams the players especially in the Central League don't want to do the necessary work to study the Pacific League opponents and yet uh, when they have their own opponents in the Central League they can't solve or or you know that that those opponents are puzzling them or frustrating to frustrating them to the point where they're not having success um you know why don't you go and play somebody else you don't know that much about so you can just get back to the basics and the fundamentals because you've obviously left some of those things behind to in the pursuit of analytical you know advantages so i don't know i mean it, it's certainly frustrating. And I could, I certainly got that in the tone of this interview that, mm-hmm. you know, he's looking, he's searching and he's hoping things can turn around for him. And I, I just, you know, I, like I said, I like his game, I think in his swing, and I think it plays well, it's just, just a matter of making things work and finding an approach that can help to lead to consistency.
2: Yeah. It's so easy to, it's so easy to get off the track of, you know, get away. I mean, you've got a set of skills, you come with a, a set of skills, and you've and certain things you're really good at, and certain things you know you've got to be watching out for and be careful of. And then you've, you at the same time you're learning all these different pictures with different timing, and that's a challenge. And you're dealing with all this other noise going on about how things are different and the practice is different, and all this other stuff. And you get success, and all of a sudden, you know you hit the ball. Sometimes you'll hit the ball really hard by accident. You know, I mean, you, you think it's right, but it's, it's, you know, you think you're, you're on it, your swings on it. But what you didn't know is that the circumstances were very weird. (laughs) You know, the circumstances were abnormal in that case. Okay. And so you're thinking this is the way to go and you're going down the wrong path and you get away from what you're doing. You know, it's really easy to do and, uh, the guys who are the guys who are focused on on succeeding in Japan and, and ignoring all the other stuff, ignoring, you know, ex- ignoring the results, ignoring what people say and getting back to what am I doing? Uh, what do I need to do? Am I doing it? Being able to break down and knowing what they can really do and, and really what they need to stay away from. Uh, you know, th- those guys will get back to where they are. It's the guys who are still uh, thinking I should be succeeding and I'm not, but I'm just going to keep going. You know, it's uh, baseball is hard, and I still say this: that if you took an MLB, you know, an MLB star and you put him in single A, and he went in with the assumption that he could homer in every at bat, that (laughs) guy wouldn't last long. He'd get he'd get eaten up. Right. Because, you know, Barry Bonds, maybe not, you know, guys who are at the extreme end of the talent range, maybe not. But most guys, the level, uh, the quality of of the is not all that different. You know, it's it's a very minor step. And anybody comes to Japan with the idea that, you know, I'm going to show these guys how to play baseball. (laughs) It's going to learn, a get a humility lesson.
1: Well, remember when we had the panel discussion, I asked Trey Hillman and I asked Dan Evans about the f- the fact that we haven't seen a, a foreign player come over here and just become a huge star mm-hmm. in, in a, quite a while, and that that was concerning to me. And I I don't know that we got a, an answer that I kind of agree with, but we got different opinions about it. But you're right. that I think that's number one is, a, is guys come over here and they don't realize how difficult or how high the level of baseball is and then all the you know we always get comments such as it's a thinking man's kind of game and and so if you if you're being forced to think as well as think on your feet and be an athlete you know that's a different kind of challenge just if you're used to okay you throw it as hard as you can and I'm going to swing as hard as I can and we'll see who wins you know 95% of the time um, that's just a different approach, and so now you actually have to think and use your head, and you know it, well, that, I, that adjustment is is tough for guys as well.
2: On Sunday, I had a brief, uh, you know, just a. I was walking along with David McKinnon on the way into the park, and and I said, hey, you know, how's it going? And he said, Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting to understand, you know, I'm I'm, I'm getting to where I'm not looking for this pitch in this situation. And I said, That's hard because. You know, you've been looking for that fastball in that situation for the past fifteen years. You know, it's 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 one thing to say I'm not going to look for it, and it's another thing for your body to know it's not supposed to look for it. Yeah. Uh And habits are habits die hard. Old habits, new habits, they all die hard. So, uh, that's part of the thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I I I liked his approach. You know, I'm just going. You know getting in my reps and doing my stuff and going after it. And and I think he sounds serious enough. I have no reason to say I think he's not. Um, But, yeah, it's easy to get lost sometimes. And uh, we'll see. A lot of guys come here and they fail at first. I mean, so many guys come here and they fail at first. And unless if they don't play for the Hunching Tigers and Yomiuri Giants, sometimes (laughs) they do quite
1: well. (laughs) <laughs> hashtag hi <hide. Hide. laughs> sometimes <laughs> well i mean no, I, you know what i'm talking about because... i know and uh, you know i was out at tokyo dome today and i talked to lewis brinson and i said uh yeah uh i, I called him left shot I, I let him know that you know I was calling know. Him left shot and and he said oh yeah okay i got you and he figured it out and uh, uh, but he said yeah they just sent my buddy adam walker you know they just sent my buddy adam down to the the farm and i said man you try playing in hanshi man as soon as the record goes bad you know the the, there's bad things in newspaper and uh we just talked about that whole thing and it's silly stuff from the outside right don't let the outside destroy the inside and that's a hard thing to do it just it just really is so there's so much more than just the baseball part of it so yeah But yeah, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Let's get a little talk about the Buffaloes in here before we move on. And I, you know, I just really like, you know, they hadn't had they didn't have a great start and they didn't have a a bad start. They were just kind of meandering along. I think we underestimated what Yoshinobu Yamamoto could do on the mound, and we spent so much time drooling over. Roki Sasaki and obviously the WBC we enjoyed what o- uh, Shohei Ohtani did on the mound uh, that we just forgot about Yamamoto and he really just pitched like Japan's ace again and he won today he has his league leading eighth win uh, he strikes out 13 only walks one was really fantastic in a, in a win over the Lions and they end up winning five to one but I mean he has just been so steady and he hasn't been one of these guys who has suffered from wbc fatigue and all the other stuff that we were hearing or he hasn't been injured you know he had had one bad game i think he got knocked out he gave up four runs um and then that's it everything else has really been a quality effort out there for him this was a high quality start obviously uh he's leading right now he you know he's right there with sasaki and era i believe before today he was uh he was right behind Sasaki in ERA. I'm not sure if he moved up or not. Uh, he was tied for the league lead in wins. So he moved into the league lead with the eighth win. And then he was fourth in, in strikeouts and he had 13. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, these these thoughts of Sasaki just claiming everything as the top pitcher have been greatly exaggerated.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Well, I don't think anybody thought he was the greatest pitcher. He he thought he was the best pitcher in Japan at this moment. Who's he? Rookie Sasaki. Okay. But that's always subject, you know, but with Sasaki, that's subject to change. Because we've seen those games where things where he's in that groove. Mm -hmm. And it takes special things to get him out of it. Like the carp did in interleague when, you know, when he was... He looked absolutely amazing, but a couple of things fell their way, and they had a good response. They respond, they reacted to him well, and they took. They were able to exploit his weaknesses and and hit him pretty good. Yeah. Well, relatively speaking, you know, as as well as anybody hits him. So, no, I I think yeah, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is something I was. I'm still quite eager to speak to uh, Shunpeta Yamashita. Mm. I just his curve. Ball. Well, I mean, I just think I want to I want to see him and Yamamoto pitch on consecutive days, it's like <laughs> watch their curveball, you know, just watch them because they're they're just beauties.
1: Or you can also watch guys develop symptoms of, you know, a cold or <laughs> a flu or something else and not be in the lineup those those two days. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> but so, I did see somebody uh, the other day on uh, Twitter. They said you've got. Yamamoto, you've got Yamashita, the aforementioned, and then you've got Satya Yamasaki, and you've got Taisuke Yamoka. He said, uh, with all these yamas, it, Oryx has a mountain of talent on the mound. Oh, oh. <laughs> goodness, man! Let's for, not go. Oh, for those of you there. who don't know, yama uh, means mountain in Japanese. So, I thought it was a good one, man. It was a good one. Yeah. You got to, you know what? You know, Could be as, worse. as many as your as many bad ones as you put out there, you got to compliment when one of the other people come up with a good one. Come on, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm an you, but. I'm gagging.
1: <laughs> On your own, stop. Um, but look, they've got, they've got to, I mean, I look at this in terms of playoffs. The Buffaloes are second in the Pacific League at the moment.
2: On winning percentage points. Yeah,
1: but I mean, let's say they win or let's say they finish in second. E- either way, I think they can get through that first playoff situation with their with quality pitchers and still have pitching left over, starting pitching left over to start well. And I'm uh, yeah, I think we talked about uh, Yamasaki, the starter, not Yamazaki the reliever um, Correct. Uh, last week. And, and we just talked about him learning how to be more consistent and getting them. I really think he's getting the most out of his talents right now. And and that's that bodes well. Uh, Yamaoka, he just he is a quality pitcher now. I'm not yeah, sure he's a,
2: he's a similar guy. He's not as he's not as in in the terms of really good stuff, mm-hmm. but inconsistent. inconsistent. Right. either, you know, either the command's inconsistent or the stuff's inconsistent. But, you know, he'll of course, you know, I've said it a few times before, but when you most of these NPV pitchers, uh, they're where they are because they got a, a pitcher too that's just really wicked mm-hmm. that can be really wicked. And then when they can throw a couple of pitches for strikes and they can throw one of those, one of those things is particularly nasty. They're going to go seven, eight innings and, you know, leave you looking at a two run deficit. Right. And I think it's a matter of how often they can do that, which is, you know, learning the mounds and learning to adjust. You know, you it's like an old, you know, I want to say it's like back in the day when I owned a car. You know, how did you learn about your car? Well, it broke down. When it broke down, you learned what was wrong with it, what you needed to do to, you know, to nurse it along. And that's what these pitchers, you know, they go, they learn the different rounds in the league. They learn uh, the different hitters. They learn what their fallbacks are. Uh, Hiro Miyagi, I say, you know, what'd you learn from the WBC said, I didn't really get, you know, I'm still kind of. Sifting through some of the things he said, he's been talking to Shota Imanaga too much, and he was getting a little philosophical for me.
1: Oh yeah, don't do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, start with a, I you know wait for the sun to shine, right? Something. Okay, get out of here. But he, he was <laughs> he was talking about talking to pitchers and learning other ways to get guys out, and I'm saying, yeah, I, I guess that's that's that makes sense, you know, when you, especially when you've got a wide arsenal of tools, and none of them are so outstanding that you're going to live be able to live on that one alone mm-hmm. Uh so it is interesting and i think you know it's all about compiling those experiences and you know and, and getting practice with them getting practice you know you know knowing how to adjust when your curveball isn't working i mean i've heard guys say this and that but anyway so that's the thing and Experience comes with that. We've seen that with Roki Sasaki too. Uh, pretty much all the young pitchers you watch—if you watch them enough—you'll see them making these adjustments. Uh, sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it takes a maddeningly long time. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah. there are injuries, you yeah. know, and they're they're pitching with some what it feels like somebody else's arm, is as, as some pitchers say. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about uh, Miyagi and just in the fact that. I I think if you go into the playoffs against this team, there's five deep quality starters you're going to have to deal with. And and, and those guys we mentioned there, and then they can, if they have to throw a sixth guy out there, which I doubt that they have to do, uh, you know, they can find somebody to start a game. But, you know, the the thing I still worry about, I have been worried about for a couple years, but they've gotten through it is the the back end of the bullpen, the, the eighth and the ninth innings. And how they're going to handle that and i think that's an issue going down the road that they're going to have to you know make sure that the soichiro yamazaki is going to have to make sure i mean they have to find out if he can take that heat in the in the ninth inning especially in a playoff situation because we saw in in the japan series they were trying guys out (laughs) in the ninth inning i think uh abe i can't remember his first name but abe didn't do so well in one situation so i think those are things that i would worry about but and then offensively the I'm gonna start calling him Crash. Uh Koutaro Kurebayashi. I'm gonna start yeah. calling him Crash. Uh he's starting to really heat up. I think he has hit in 17 consecutive he's, games. And yeah, and, he's
2: really he's really representative of the new Buffaloes. Yeah. Tongu, who are bigger. I mean, and for a shortstop, for, for Oryx to play a shortstop, who's not a little tiny guy. Yeah. Is is a remarkable turnaround. Not a little
1: tiny guy, because they have a collection of those.
2: <laughs> they do. They've always they've they've essentially no. <laughs> tried to corner the market on these, you know, these on and and nothing against <laughs> Shuhei Fukuda, who's a guy who I love, but yeah, just little guys. Yeah, they just they just wanted like the smallest players in the world, figuring that well they will get to the ball quick and they can bunt. And they yeah, get hit well,
1: the I, other way. I say don't take don't take those guys too close to the North Pole. Somebody might claim them up there. <laughs> Hashtag. Hi. Don't get them too close to Santa Claus. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but we got to move on. But yeah, I really like what the Buffaloes are doing. They're getting uh good contributions up and down the lineup. The manager has just really come in and calmed everything down. And uh we don't talk about the Buffaloes as in the Uh, Buffa and then the the last part being L-O-W-S Buffaloes that we haven't even had to worry about that. And they, I think in terms of rundown plays, the Trevor Bauer, uh, rundown play that that he wasn't involved in really (laughs) took the cake on making or botching rundowns, uh, from Oryx, so they don't even have to have that out in the in the in the ethers anymore um they have to have the base yeah, stars there's, there's always that.
2: contenders for that she' always a contender for that <laughs> that that trophy yeah
1: they all are Dude, I was talking I was actually talking to Edwin Escobar today <laughs> about all kinds of botched rundowns so maybe one day when we do that I wasn't talking to him for an interview but when we do the interview for the base stars we can talk about that but let's move on. It's time for our power tracks segment. And uh, I'll start it off just by saying this was confusing because, you know, again, my process is just to think, OK, who was really hot? And obviously I'm thinking, well, the Bay Stars were hot because they ended up winning the interleague session. And that was mostly June. And I thought the carp had a good June. And then South Bank must have had a good June. And then I actually looked up the numbers and <laughs> it was different from what I had thought. So um, I'm starting it off, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to start off by asking you, I did, I did. do you just strictly look at the numbers first or do you have a thought about who played well in a particular team or a particular player? Or how do you go about when you do no, the contracts? I, I,
2: I try to, I basically look at the numbers first because the month is a is a haze for me. You
1: know, when I think you should about see, you should see Jim's face, everybody. He's got his hand on one side of his head. <laughs> no, like but, the month I... is a haze. Like five minutes ago, it seems like a haze.
2: <laughs> okay, no more personal stuff. <laughs> um, no more personal secrets. Yeah, five minutes ago, I don't.
1: Where What's your name I? again? <laughs> no, don't ask.
2: How'd you get this number? Don't ask, don't tell. Uh, no, the. First of all, I, I certainly believe that you know you can watch everything, and you can, you can watch lots of things, but you you're bi- you have biases. Yes, you have biases, and I try to when I when I have when I'm tasked with one of these assignments, you know, like to figure out who was the best player at a position, or you know to or to not to figure out, but to to guess because we're all guessing at one level or another whether you're watching their feet or you're watching their uh, OPS, we're all guessing. none of us none of us know. So I try to limit uh my personal biases and and sort of work from let's see who did better in this or that sure. and then sort of think, you know, what are the uh, think about the contexts. So
1: all right. Yeah, well, so like I said, I, I thought okay, immediately my my brain went to the Bay Stars and they had okay. 13 wins. But it was okay. the the Hawks were 15 and 8 in June and I was surprised by that cuz I, I I mean <laughs> I know everybody it seemed like those top four teams that were tied at the top of the interleague standings with the uh what was it, 11 and 7 record or mm-hmm. 12 right. and 8, yeah, 11 or and, 11 seven, and 7. And uh so nobody really had a huge advantage of those four teams but i didn't think it was soft bank and i just forgot you know you talked about the haze a second ago i think they started off the month hot and then they got into interleague and they were so so in fact they started off with chunichi and they couldn't really put those guys away and they were sluggish in that sense and then they had a run but i think they they weren't as good in interleague as i thought initially and so then i said well uh number two it's got to be the fighters or the carp because they had they had good uh not necessarily June's, but I know the carp were doing well and the carp were 14 and nine in June. And I thought, okay, um, that makes sense to me, but what happened with the fighters and the fighters, they really weren't as good as I thought in June. They were 10 and 12. They were under 500. And I'm like, how did that happen? That was weird. But the carp, uh, yeah, again, the, the base stars had won 13 games and the buffaloes also won 14 games. So I'm like, I didn't, I didn't see that. Where did they come from? So I was just you know the the whole top three for me was just kind of jumbled. but I think uh, I I think Softbank coming through with 15 wins is is pretty significant. And I think the carp actually got really hot and I think they got mm-hmm. hot at the end of the month too. and uh of course they got they've been cooled off in Nagoya for some reason. Then that's the thing about baseball you just you know you go in with Alan Cootie, who hasn't lost and hasn't given up a run basically to the uh, to the dragons. All season, and you go in with uh, Daichi osara and you expect to win those first two games, and they've lost them both. And not only that, they've given up more than one run to the Dragons, which is weird. <laughs> so you just—that just shows you how unpredictable yeah, baseball.
2: Well, is. they they figured they were going to go in, and they. They beat the swallows eight nothing on Friday a week a week ago. Yeah. And then they go into Nagoya and they figure, well, we can do that. We can do yeah. that here. Let's well, just Let's have they went in saying let's have another eight-nothing game and you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh Dreams so, yeah. can come true. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, what about your bottom three now? Did you did you have I, any? I think
2: idea? yeah, no, I think it's pretty easy for me swallows and dragons and lions yeah a particular order
1: for me i just immediately put the dragons in at the bottom and i remembered that they had a decent you know about halfway through interleague they had a chance had they mm-hmm. done things against the bottom three teams of the pacific league they had a chance to finish in the top half let's say Let, let's not be crazy here Uh, But they had a chance to finish in the top half, maybe top
2: five. My my choice is probably colored by the last week in which the Rockton, the last five days, the Rockton Eagles have played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, So
1: uh, they could easily, I think the bottom three really should be the bottom four. It should be the bottom five. I mean, immediately. So the first thing I thought of was the Dragons. I thought of the Swallows because they, as bad as the Dragons have been, and I've said the record is bad but they're a good team. They they're in games, you know. I, I you know, if we ever get a chance to study margin of uh uh margin of victory in a loss, so to speak, so they're plus, mm. minus in losses, I think it's going to be really close. Their plus minus in wins is going to be really close. They're a good team. They just don't win games. But the the swallows, they score runs, they give up runs, then they, you know, they play a tight game and then they give up runs and they just lose games too. And I just couldn't believe the swallows were, you know, at at some point because it flipped back and the world is back on its, in its kilter, but it was off kilter for a while because the dragons were ahead of the swallows. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And so now the dragons are in last place, but those two teams were really bad. And then for me, it was, I I had the Eagles down at my, I think, number uh, 10 team. Um, Hmm. And the Eagles weren't as bad as I thought for some reason. And I don't even know how they got through. So I was just confused. I, I, I'm with you. It's like things were in a haze for me. Um, <laughs> but they were 10 and 13. The Eagles were in in June. And, of course, that's, I mean, the Lions were 9 and 13. And the Marines were 8 and 12. And you you said it could be the bottom. The bottom three can be the bottom five. Because you jumble those teams up together. The Tigers, the Dragons, the Swallows, and the Marines and the Eagles. They could all be last or they could all be, you know, tied for tenth.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Marines are a little bit of a puzzle. Uh, sometimes they're a puzzle in the sense that sometimes the pieces come together and you go, wow, there's a picture there. It works. <laughs> and other days you're just looking at a jigsaw puzzle with missing pieces and you're
1: going, "This ain't a, you know, this ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And it wasn't working. But um, yeah, I mean, again, Roki Sasaki having to take a little bit of time off. I think he had a, some extra rest, and then uh, the, yeah, the other two, guys had... did well. Though. The other guys did well when he wasn't on the mound, and that's that. What has been surprising this whole season? Sure, he
2: went. He went. He did a Sunday Tuesday shift, mm-hmm. and then he went did a Tuesday Wednesday shift. So basically, he's pitching on eight or nine days now.
1: Right, yeah, just a little bit of extra rest, yeah. well, which is different from Trevor hey, Bauer, hey. who's who's pitching four days on four days rest, and uh, let's just say uh, mixing up the 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 rest for the other pitchers in the rotation. <laughs> let's put it that way, <laughs> so he can pitch on four days rest because that's what he's used to doing.
2: Well, but, whatever works. Yeah. I I don't have any. Uh, you know, I I don't. You know, it's all about what the manager thinks is best for the team. If he thinks that's best, then go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there there wasn't that much power to the power tracks because it was really confusing. But the Salt Bank Hawks come away as the best and a bunch of teams in the Central League, the Tigers, the Dragons and the Swallows come away as among the worst. (laughs) But it was the Marines who were 8-12, and yeah. All right, uh, let's uh, t- uh, let's go to Jim's stats corner. <laughs> not really, a... <laughs> not really
2: stats. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just this is a little this is this is the opposite sort of a of a task. I mean, with the power tracks, you know, who's the who's who's best? Who was the best team and who was the worst team last month? And as I said, I look at it. I try to assume I don't know anything when uh, I start. Heart? Well, no, I mean, but that's how I start most of these exercises. Uh, Although in this case, I assumed that, you know, there was going to be the numbers are going to be tilted one way or the other. And I looked to see whether that was in fact the case. And this exercise was called, does the team, does the league that is required to bunt by having a pitcher batting nine bunt more often? Because one league is you know, has, has, is required to bunt because they've got pitchers and the other league basically has zero requirements to bunt other than the game situation and, and the manager's, you know, choice of how to win the game. And, you know, what he thinks is the best for this game and this situation and these players, Okay. So it's all about choice, and as you know, Bill James said wisely once: "Not everything comes out of his mouth is wise." But he says that's where strategy, you know, real strategy and real options, and real tactics, and differences lie. When there's a difference, when you have a choice to make, rather than when you're forced to do something. Mm-hmm. When you know, when you the pitcher bunts in Central League games, ninety percent it's not because the bat the the manager is thinking, well, what if I have him swing away? (laughs) You know, that's, that's rarely part of the equation, right? Uh, It's, it's pretty, I would say it's probably, I said 90% before we recorded, but it's probably closer to 99% that they'll (laughs) let the pitcher not, not uh, squared a bunt in a bunting situation.
1: Yeah. All yeah, right. But, so you okay. want, you set up this. Uh, okay. So that's what you the did setup as an exercise. Yeah.
2: Is that we should assume we one typically assumes that the league that's required to bunt will bunt more, and in fact, uh, central uh, through 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 Friday, the Central League pitchers have bunted eighty times this year, and not surprisingly, the Pacific League pitchers have pitchers have bunted twice in, <laughs> in the league, of course. Right. So.
1: Part That's, of that is the opportunity.
2: <laughs> well, part of that is yes, is that the pitchers hit in the Central League, so they bunt. That's period. Sure. Yeah. They 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 attempt to the bunts, and many of them are successful. Enough of them are successful, but the interesting thing was that if you took away the pitchers, this, the Pacific League, the league where the managers can choose to bunt, they do it a lot. You know, they they do it a lot, and. I thought that was quite interesting. So I I looked – I forgot what the the totals were, what I told you before. But basically, the Central League puts down a bunt by a position player about 5% of the time that there's a runner on first base.
1: I have the numbers. I have them in front of me. Okay. Um, You said specifically teams have sacrificed 324 times twice by pitchers. The Central League yeah. has bunted 277 times 80 by pitchers.
2: Right. So there's a huge it's about twice as often. So and then if you look uh, if you look at the number of runners on first base uh, singles plus walks minus intentional walks and uh, plus uh, hit by pitch the Central League hitters position players are bunting about 5% of the time there's a runner on first. Mm -hmm. and the Pacific League batters are bunting about 8%. Okay, so I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting, and you'll look and see that when it comes to the position players bunting, every Central League team bunts less than every Pacific League team. So that's just, you know, that's interesting that, you know, you give Japanese managers a choice, and they're going to choose to do pretty much the orthodox thing. They're going to do... They're going to, you know, go with the program.
1: Yeah. Now, and I, and I, oh, go go ahead. ahead. Oh, okay. Well, before we got on Mike, I was saying, yeah, a lot of that comes with context. Like if you look at the oh, Dragons. It
2: all, it all comes with context.
1: Yeah. You look at the Dragons, they don't score runs. So they're going to bunt more just to try to get a guy in a position because they don't they don't hit home runs and they don't hit a lot of extra base hits. So to get guys to cross the plate, they're going to have to get him in the scoring position in the first place and hope they can sure. dink a single somewhere. Um, the Swallows sure, and, have been scoring runs, but they, yeah, but they, but
2: they're also one of the big bunting teams.
1: Yeah. And that's part of that is the context of, uh, Munetaka Murakami struggling this season, not hitting the kind of home runs at a rate that he was hitting last year. So it's not just about trying to get on, uh, in front of him. It's like, you know, he's not hitting. So let's try to get home without having to use, well, or rely on looked, him.
2: I think if you looked, you would see that it's not the number, the swallows number two hitters who are doing. You know, it's not the first, the hitters in front of him that are bunting. It's the guys after him that are doing the bunting.
1: And but my pretty point much being, yeah, my point being, they're be, all they, bunting. Yeah, my my point being that they they're not they're not having the run production that they had with him hitting home runs. So they're trying to generate runs throughout the lineup instead of trying to rely on him to. To generate some runs like that, so yeah, that makes sense that they would all be bunting behind him or in front of him or wherever because he's well, not, not producing in, in front of him. Well, I mean, he's not producing, so it's not like they're relying on. Last year, they would, you know, they would never like just give away an out because they would think, okay, oh, sure, well.
2: they would. No, he, no, Takatsu really hasn't changed at all. I don't think. I think he was he bunted a lot before. He bunted pretty much all up, and he he bunted a lot, pretty much as if, with the exception of. He doesn't bunt. He he doesn't bunt in front of Murakami much ever, unless it's like he needs one run and there's a runner on base. And you know if, but it's it's a pretty small subset. It's okay. pretty much he bunts everybody if Murakami's on. Oh, Murakami's on base and he's still on. Of course, this is another thing. He's on base a lot. He, he even when he's he's batting two thirteen, he's on base a lot sure. because he <laughs> leads the lead, You know, he leads Japan in drawing walks. So that's a bunt opportunity. Osuna and Domingo Santana both get on base a fair amount. So those guys are on base. Yuhei Nakamura bunts a lot. Whoever they've got bat six seven eight, they bunt a lot because there's guys on the in the middle of the lineup who're on base and i don't think it really has much to do with murakami's um failures to drive in runs i think it's just the way Takatsu is wired
1: all right well we can disagree there i mean if somebody's in the middle of your lineup producing regularly i think it, it you know you don't you, you might
2: i would think i would think it they would bunt more often to, because generally in japan um when you're it's when you're you're winning when you're winning i mean you know how often do you see teams bunting when they're three runs ahead? A
1: lot. Yeah, they bunt yeah, a, they, they bun they bun a lot. lot. Yeah, when they're they get when that. they're
2: down by two runs, they ain't bunting. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I, I okay, gotcha. three runs, they're not bunting. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on how, yeah, <laughs> where they are in the lineup and where the inning, what inning sure. they're in, but yeah, but I, I, I don't hear think that's.
2: But he's he's he's, he's Takatsu's uh, pretty much an old school bunter. I think that's real probably the biggest thing there. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, the run interesting... production down. Yeah, run production okay. down
1: on those teams, and I think that that's that's part of a lot of the bunting in Central League. The other teams, like, there's no real dynamic lineups out there. There's no real dynamic, uh, you know. Other, I, I I think the Giants have one. They have the potential, although they're not scoring a heap of runs. They're not. Def, they're definitely not at the bottom of the pack in in runs scored, and they hit home runs. So, uh, they don't really have to, in my opinion, they don't have to do as much bunting as maybe uh, some of these teams that don't have a, a big power hitter in the lineup. Like,
2: we yeah. haven't seen and, a lot
1: of production from the, and the other thing
2: is when you're playing at Tokyo Dome and you know everybody in your lineup can hit a home Long run, run. everybody in the yeah. opposing lineup can get a hit a home run, that the value of one run is less than it is in other parks. And that's the thing about I would agree, and that's that's the motive for you know Han Shane and. Haunching and Chunichi bunting so much because you know runs are hard to come by and one run is more valuable in those parks. Agreed. So it it makes it makes sense to bunt there. It makes much less sense, you know. And this is the 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 what well, the paradox is. The Jingu doesn't make a lot of sense to bunt as much. It probably doesn't make as much sense to bunt as much as Takatsu does. But Takatsu loves he loves his one run strategies. He's just a he's an old school you know his his tactics are super old school and hara used to do that (laughs) he used to do that he'd have a home run laden lineup but he couldn't help himself from bunting at you know bunting every inning uh he's kind of gotten off of that which i find odd because he seems to be set in his ways in so many other ways but uh No, the interesting thing I found out, of course, a couple of things are obvious when you think about it, is that without, when you have a pitcher batting ninth, it changes the dynamic of your lineup. Mm -hmm. It changes it because the Pacific League, uh, Central League teams don't bunt by the eighth guy if the pitcher is not coming out for a pinch hitter,
0: right?
2: Because you know, because he's an out, (laughs) and so the Central League number eight hitters don't bunt very much. And the Central League leadoff hitters don't bunt very much because they're batting after the pitcher. So that's fairly obvious. So those are the big... And of course, the Central League number nine hitters bunt a lot.
1: Well, um, unless you're the Dragons eighth hitter and (laughs) someone gets on... To start the N.A. and you bunt because you, you're you going to hope that the number one batter can, you know, the pitcher's an automatic out, you're an out, but you're just hoping that number one batter can drive in the runs. So <laughs> that's the well, way Tatsunami I've, plays it. Well, Tatsunami. <laughs> and that's why they don't score. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah is another case uh,
1: oh we'll talk said, about him in a future show yeah we got but a yeah question but about
2: the him. whole the obviously the last thing I would say about that is the dynamic of having the pitcher bat ninth is is really interesting because I would I've been contending for the last 10 fifteen years that batting him ninth is the dumbest thing you can do <laughs> because because you try to teams mostly stack their best hitters one two three four mm-hmm. And then you take your worst hitter and you put him next, you put him as close as you can to your four best hitters. You know, that's a problem. Now you say it doesn't look like it because he's at the bottom of the order, but who bats before the number one hitter? It's the pitcher. <laughs> so you, The pitcher, the best place for the pitcher if he's an outmaker is eight, not nine, because the nine hitter even even a lousy hitter, even a guy who's getting on base, you know 260 is a huge improvement over your pitcher. Somebody you know somebody to, has a decent chance of giving the best hitters somebody on base in front of them. so and that's there's you know, there's logic to that. It's worth about 10 runs a season, so which is a, pretty much a game which which Alex Ramirez has exploited well, even if he didn't realize it. <laughs>
1: well i was talking to like i said lewis brinson today and i said you know uh alex ramirez kind of broke Jap- japanese baseball when he started doing that because he he got guys to think outside the mold of you know automatic put the pat- pitcher in the nine hole and then let's go and play the game and so shinjo comes along and he's he
0: having, once, he's, playing, he? hit,
1: he's playing hit and run with uh, bases loaded and he did the same thing. I think he put the batter pitcher in the eighth hole and he's done some other unorthodox things, but, I, but he doesn't get the criticism that Ramirez got because, Oh no, because Ramirez did, you know, he broke Japanese baseball first. So it was already broken before Shinjo got here. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you know, but the whole, the whole
2: thinking about it is bass backwards because the reason you should bat the pitcher eighth is not because he's a good hitting pitcher. But because he's a bad hitter, <laughs> this is the one that people don't get. You you bat the you you bat your worst hitter eighth because then he's with the other worst. You know, then he's next to the other worst hitters in the lineup, and not next to the best ones. But gotcha. but people in Japan are they're still and MLB too. They're still stuck in well MLB. They don't have to worry about that because they got a universal DH now. But uh, the Central League is still stuck. All right,
1: well, we're stuck, too. Yeah, we're stuck, too. Let's move on. Let's make a two-seam transition or, or, yeah, one-seam transition and uh, hit our Rockin' with Rokey segment. Mm. And uh, he beat Sabu 2 to 2-1 on Wednesday, didn't allow a run over eight innings pitched a season long for him. He struck out 11. Uh, He is the first to 100 strikeouts in the Pacific League. He had one walk this night. And what I found interesting was after the eighth inning, He's in the dugout. Uh, Masato Yoshi, the manager, walks over to give him the thank you for a good job handshake and Sasaki's like, get that hand away from me and he didn't touch it. (laughs) He didn't shake hands with me. He's like, I'm ready to go back out. And he was not allowed to go back out and it was a close, it was a 2 nothing game and uh, I I like Naoya Masada. He has been a reliable closer for them, but he's no slam the door shut down guy. He's kind of a mess maker and he allowed a run and And I got to be honest, it really wasn't his fault. Even they, Koshiro Wada, their their speedster, they used usually as a pinch runner was out there and left and the wind played tricks on him and he couldn't catch a ball. And so that's how the run scored. But uh, Masada got out. But anyway... Uh, yeah, that customary you're done handshake. Sasaki didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Uh, and he won and uh, he looked good again. I, I just really seemed it seems to me that he looks most comfortable in the win on the mound in Chiba because the fork was yeah. good. The slider helped him escape you know, some jams. Uh, I guess he had a first inning jam, second and third with no outs. And he just, you know, used it as a fastball to overpower guys at times. And he just looked like a superstar and didn't give up any runs. And, you know, when he did get in that first inning, when he did get into trouble, he was just able to ease out of it and looked really good to me. Um, What did you see?
2: Yeah, this was interesting. This is one of those games where you can notice a team approach to a hitter. You know, Mm -hmm. like when they went to the meeting and they said, this is what we're going to do. They didn't mm-hmm. say, this is what you ought to do. They said, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> and that's basically, we're going to sit on first pitch fastballs. And so, pitch one, fastball, single, or double. Pitch pitch two, fastball, single. Okay, runners on second. It was a single double. He had runners on second and
1: third, I think. With Yes, uh, no second and third, no outs.
2: And then, after that, it's like, okay, that then he went to work, and he's... He, got into counts and he started striking people out and I think even with two hits and three strikeouts in the first inning I think he only threw 17 pitches something like that mm-hmm. so he was he was pretty good and basically what he did was when he got around to the guys who are getting hits off him on first pitch fastballs he started throwing forkballs fork and they and the Lions were they were so geared up to look for fastballs and fastball counts that he was throwing them forkballs and they were looking, they were swinging out of their shoes. I mean, it was the Lions, give the Lions an assist for that game because they helped. (laughs) They just, he adjusted and they didn't. And by the time, you know, I, I I can understand. You, She's like going, okay, let's just leave well enough alone. They might figure out what they're doing wrong by the ninth inning.
1: So yeah, let's sit you down. He's like, no, man, I'm I'm in a groove. I'm doing well here. Let, let but, a brother get you know, a shutout. Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> uh, he hasn't thrown. I don't think he's thrown a complete game since his perfect game. So yeah. Let's go for it. And I, I can see that. He that and, hand out of and, here. <laughs> and, Yoshi said he was perplexed a little bit. You know, it wasn't like he had a low pitch count, but it wasn't like he had a high pitch yeah. count. Yeah, it wasn't low, but it wasn't high either. So... It was enough. Yeah, it was enough. It was enough to to go either way in most cases. And I think they still want to... I still think that the goal this year is to keep him on rotation, even if it's eight days. You know, so I think that was part of the thinking in there, too, Uh, whatever. uh, But I thought he was he was outstanding. And he and uh, uh, an MLB scout I was talking with uh, a couple of weeks ago said uh, he and Toshio Sato seemed so far out of sync. Uh, The first games they were working with each other, there was lots of shaking off and a lot of sort of like eye rolls and things. Oh, rolls, uh, that i, I, didn't hadn't, <laughs> I didn't, hadn't noticed oh. and and i saw very i was watching for that and i didn't see that at this time i think that's uh i think one of the adjustments he's he's made this year is to having catchers not cool Mats, matsukawa so he's worked with different catchers and getting different results and he's worked on different mounds. you know he's he's compiling that resume you know that that you know, how to succeed when plan A doesn't work. He's got that, that book going. So I think we're going to, we're see a little bit, little by little him being more likely to be dominant in, in other environments with other catchers in other situations where he looks like he's in trouble. I didn't really, I never really felt he was in trouble even, you know, in that first inning, I thought, Oh, first pitch, fastball, first pitch, fastball. And I'm saying, well, this is going to, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and the, you know, we've seen the Hiroshima Carp, as I said, really dealt with him very well. They they made adjustments when other teams weren't. And we've seen them we've seen him get knocked out by teams who adjusted faster than he could. But this time the Lions were not one of those teams. And Shigenoboshima, my buddy. Uh, sorry, but you you know, your your hitters didn't do it with the Lions that day. And the last comment would be David McKinnon, who I uh I had a quote from a few weeks ago when I asked if he had faced Roki Sasaki. He said, no, and I'm not looking forward to it. Or I hope I don't. I don't remember the exact quote. Yeah. Well, he I was about to ask him how it went when he tweeted out those were four very uncomfortable at bats. Mm. <laughs>
1: And Gosh, so D- David
2: one. is no, no, he's not the only one. But yeah, congratulate. Just, just a shout out to David for being honest and and you know and 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 you know saying it how it is. So
1: it's not always easy. All right, let's go to fielding questions. <laughs> All right, this one comes from Evan in St. Louis. He sent us an email and he says, about a month ago I visited Japan and got to see my first NPB games. I saw home games for the Marines, Lions, Hawks, Carp and Tigers and I really enjoyed the NPB fan experience with the the performative cheering and different fans involved in events between innings like the twirling umbrellas in Hiroshima. I can see myself coming back to Japan semi-regularly and want to follow an NPB team, so my question is this. How should I determine which team to root for? Uh, I'm tempted to root for the Metro, Tokyo, Osaka uh, teams, given that they would be easier for me to go see when I visit Japan. I don't particularly care if the team is very good right now, since I know that it's bound to change over time. Although I did not get to see their park this trip, I'm slightly leaning toward rooting for the Swallows because they have the coolest uniforms of any NPB team, in my opinion, and it would be fun to root for Munakami. I also really like the style of the Lions' Baluna Dome and how I could take the train right up to the stadium. I welcome any and all input. Here are some more specific questions. How would you go about choosing a team to root for in a league that you're unfamiliar with? Which ballpark is your favorite? Uh, or has the best fan experience? Uh, what made both of you root for your respective teams? And is there anything to keep in mind when thinking about the team's parent companies? For instance, does uh, it doesn't financially support the team or unethical behavior, etc. Which teams are more sabermetrically minded? And I just discovered your podcast and I've really been enjoying it so far. Thanks, Evan. All right. Thank so- you, Evan. We might have to spend a couple of episodes answering all these questions. To pick thank a you so much. Uh, I don't just... I don't
2: know how to pick a team, to be honest. I think they're they tend to be kind of random. I don't I I I didn't I wouldn't possibly have picked a team in Japan before I came here.
1: Yeah. We've had this question, I don't know, in the past. Obviously we had it a long time ago. And I, I'll say what I think I said then, which is When we're young, we we pick teams because of favorite players and favorite colors and uniforms, and I would stick with that format. Mm, A lot of times, if you're living in Japan, it's proximity. You know, you you see that team on the news. There are are local shows about, for for instance, when I was living in Nagoya, there were local shows on Sunday morning with Sunday morning dragons, and they have highlights from during the week and if it was a good week it would be fun to watch the highlights and if it was a bad week you you make sure to skip that um Uh, but proximity hey,
2: is... hey Sunday morning with the dragons was only on for 10 seconds this week what's up with that no
1: <laughs> it was only on my TV for 10 seconds but yeah um, the highlights we only had 10 seconds of highlights yeah uh, you know you. The, I think you stick with uniforms if you like those uniforms yep. uh, you go out and get one because that's that. over time those shouldn't change that often they are now because everybody likes every organization likes to make a lot more money by putting out a lot more uh what do they call it now swag and and paraphernalia and all that stuff alternate uniforms sure it's it's just for money i mean give me a break yeah. with all these temporary you know summer uniforms and they even give them a name now and i'm like give me a break with all this stuff i just want to know who's playing just make sure your alternative uniforms look like your real team instead of alternative facts so i know who's playing that's all i ask for um, so I would use those things, number one, to pick a team. And, you know, you're, you're talking about a league and probably your, your Japanese is probably not all that great. So I, I don't even worry. I just find a player and a team I can root for because that's what happened to me. I just happened to be in Nagoya. I happened to, you know, Los Angeles and Nagoya sister city. So the uniforms were the Dodgers and the that was my favorite. That is my favorite major league baseball team. And the Dragons were similar, if not mm. exactly the same. And so and then uh, Hiromitsu Ochi was was a player I could easily root for. So it was a trifecta for me and I started rooting for the Dragons. But uh, I think I would have rooted for them even if Ochi wasn't the kind of player he was because I like the uniforms and because of proximity. So if you're thinking, Evan, if, if you're going to be coming to visit and you want to pick a Tokyo team, that's good. If you want to pick a Osaka team, that's good. But uh, don't don't count out these teams like like hiroshima or rakuten they're not that hard to get to uh once you land in japan you're gonna have to take a train somewhere anyway basically so if you have to take a train to sendai and and root for the eagles don't don't be afraid to do that but you know in in terms of that i I wouldn't worry about anything but what you like (laughs) don't worry about you know how far it is to get to or all those other things you're usually you're going to spend more of your time rooting from the states than you will from here in Japan, so you don't have to worry about how hard it is to get to.
2: (laughs) And I'm going to, I'm pretty much going to emphasize what John said and say that go with what feels best and how you would, how I would do this, A, do you like the uniforms or not? B, do you like I would watch the games on TV or stream them somehow, or on video. YouTube is great because you don't have to watch them live, and there's lots of stuff on YouTube that you can watch. And I would watch for the fan experience. You know, if you can see a like when they do the their what they call the chance theme. Uh, this is a good one because it's a chant that they play when the team has got runners on base and they're in scoring position and they need a big run. And and I'll tell you if there are teams which I absolutely love the chance theme, there are teams where I absolutely love the what how the seventh inning song that they sing, there are teams that I like. Some teams have a different song for their uh, when they score. I love the carps uh, pregame game and post games, you know the the seventh inning song they sing. I like I find their, uh, Run scoring song, you know the carp are going to win, win, win. Uh, clapping with the shamoji, you know everything is. Every team is a little unique. I'm, I'm. I don't want to be uh, cast aspersions on the Giants, but I find that they're the Giants. Chance theme sounds like uh, ten thousand people in the right field stands have stomach ailments.
1: Oh wow! <laughs>
2: Hashtag hi. <hide. laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> so just leave me out of it. But the tigers, I find the hunching tigers, I find to be hypnotizing. Uh, the bass stars, I love uh, the swallows is fine. I'm I'm a swallows fan, but the chance team is okay. It's fine. Um, the Marines have always been a favorite of mine because while they may not have the most numerous fans that goes to the tigers, uh, they're, cheering section back in the day i not so much now i think but back in the day was by far the most creative in japan uh, the players cheers were the most creative and innovative um, that's not quite as much as it used to be but those things are, are what i would go with go with the uniforms go with the if you like Jingu is a great place, and uh, I was captivated by the the swallows uniforms too. I also thought they were the best uh, in the 80s, and the umbrellas in the in the outfield was was uh, just uh, captivating for me. And then I had a friend who I had a friend at that time. I was living in Shizuoka Prefecture which is, of course, closer, uh, much clo- in the part of Shizuoka Prefecture that's closest to Nagoya. And most of the stuff there was Nagoya, it uh, was dragon stuff. But uh, this, I had a friend, a student who was a Swallows fan, and he filled me in all the Swallows lore. And that was enough to make me a Swallows fan. But uh, the, I think you could find the same thing. If you can manage the the igloo song, then yeah, by all means, follow the Eagles. Uh, but, but yeah, do it yourself. Do, look at all the videos of the different teams cheering and see which one um, catches your heart the most because that'll be the most fun.
1: Did you mention like every team in Japan just now? No. Okay, I did not. I sing, know you did. No, just, I did not I'm sing just,
2: Susume Fighters, and I didn't mention the Hawks or Buffaloes. Although oh, Buffalo's the chance name is also one of
1: my favorite. Even okay, now you just it. did. Now you just they did. they stole right. it well, from the
2: Kintetsu Buffalo. Don't so.
1: don't confuse the man. I mean, good grief. I, I I would say you know, like I said early on, just go with the the colors and the players and the uniform. Don't the question about the parent companies. I I, I don't think the fans sit there and think about what the parent companies do. That's not at the front of their minds when they're rooting for their teams. Only when you're involved with the Giants, I think do you have the the, the company involved because uh now you're talking about the owner who can be oh he has been quiet. I hope he's well because he has been quiet the past couple. Well he's years the honorary
2: owner honor now, isn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh and, and all those people at the at the top of our building remember where how, I work at least.
2: Remember how how everyone in the office
1: cheered when we heard he was quitting? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Still getting oh, paychecks. It's funny. Yeah, <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> but uh yeah, I i think everybody, you know, they march to the beat of of their own drum. So sure. play your own drum. And yep. it's okay to like more than one team and oh, uh, pick a Pacific League team, pick a, a Central League team and, and go with them and, and and see where you end up at the end and and have fun. Just have fun with the whole thing. There all the teams are fun. I think uh, I, I always say that my favorite fan base is the Lotte Marines because they're just so active and they're jumping and they're in unison and screaming. And uh, I think the fighters had the Inaba jump a long time ago for one of their popular players. And that was really good and used to make Sapporo Dome shake when we were up there. And that was cool. Uh, yeah. So there's just a lot of fun things to to do when you get involved and, and just come as much as you can and come see some baseball and certainly come in, when you come to japan next time let us know you're coming so we can say hello and maybe have a coffee all right
2: yep thank you
1: all right thanks so much for the awesome uh, talking point anyone else who has a question hit us up on twitter at jbw podcast with the hashtag high heat send questions via email to y-a-k-y-u-j-o-h-n at gmail.com you can also go to our facebook page and leave us a comment there now we're planning a big uh, discussion let's say a midway discussion we think we're gonna have enough guys to do it next week so look for that uh so that means we won't have a guest but we have our interviews lined up for the next three weeks after that and we got the all-star break and we will power right through the all-star break and into that weekend where they're playing games including they have monday games afterwards so thanks a lot mpb for messing up everybody's schedule but we'll be busy for the rest of the uh for the rest of the summer and on into the japan series so enjoy your baseball you at the ballparks babe
2: follow the hosts on twitter at jbw podcast and at JBallAllen, and feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. heat thank you for listening to japan baseball weekly